0: Well, it's March twenty first. It's the first day of spring, and you chose to listen to the We Are MCBS podcast. Thank you for that. Do you just feel it? It's it, just the it,
1: just that buzz in the air of bees and and flowers blooming, and it's just
0: it's spring. It is. Uh, my car is colored in a yellow pollen, and my children all have allergies, and yep. I'm buying a lot of Benadryl. So, spring is in the air.
1: Nature's confetti. <laughs>
0: absolutely pollen well uh i am just excited to be here on the the first day of spring and on the we are mcbs podcast table of honor with such an honorable group of people look at how there they are are looking
1: springish today yeah they are
0: here they're in the house so energized by them okay all right let's get going because this is pretty cool let's do this pete we've got some current event to talk about first what is that it it involves a vehicle. I was told that my love of Tesla's would be, would be questioned or called into question, mm, so. Challenged, yeah. Let's see. We have Tyler Ozzy Oswald with us to tell us all about it. Take it away, Tyler. So
2: you like to joke about how after we graduate, we should probably, you know, show our gratitude by getting you a, a Tesla model. <laughs> what are you looking for, an S or an X?
0: Well, I first need to address the fact that you're calling this a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always I always make it clear that I'm not picky. I'll take any model, any color. Green Sportsters, the first choice, but I'm not picky.
2: So what if I told you that instead of a Tesla model S or X... And I hear that maybe there is new models coming out in the future. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That for a nice three hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, you can purchase an exact replica of the nineteen sixty-seven Batmobile.
0: Oh, whoa! Oh my gosh! So that's like that costs about as much as six Teslas, but it's the Batmobile. But it's the Batmobile.
1: Now is this a, is this a refurbed? batmobile or just like the original because i'm just going to show my age a little bit i saw the original batmobile in shea stadium in 19. (laughs) so uh yeah is this like is this the is this it yeah
2: no this isn't the batmobile that you've seen on screen but this is an exact replica that was made from similar molds that the initial batmobile was made and the cool part about it is that while it is exact replica and everything you have signatures from the cast of the 1967 Batman on the bridge on the inside of the uh, uh-huh. car. Holy crap.
1: You, Jason, you better get your hands on that before it gets launched into space <laughs> by some, I don't know, Amazon maybe this time.
0: Yeah, oh, It's no. absolutely
2: yeah. possible because it is on sale in Venice,
1: Florida. Ooh.
0: I don't even have to drive it far to get it home?
1: No. I say you and me hit the pause button on this podcast. We go down and try to take a test drive in that baby. Absolutely.
0: I imagine it's probably gone by now, but you know. <laughs> Pete, could we use your checkbook when we buy it? Uh,
1: yeah, I'm a little shy, uh, maybe on the 300,000, but maybe we can talk them into a lot less than that. Maybe a lease?
2: <laughs> talk to a financial <laughs> advisor, see if you can get a tax write-off
0: for that. Yeah.
1: We're just going to take it for a test drive indefinitely.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm down. Tyler, thank you very much for that. I think Pete and I now have weekend plans.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Tyler. You're absolutely welcome. Hi, Lassie.
0: We have another exciting news story that we're going to hear about, and this one from the world of gaming. We've got Kevin with us one of the one of the Full sale Armada shoutcasters, as a matter of fact. Yeah, we've got Kevin here who's going to tell us about some Call of Duty news.
3: All righty, thank you for having me on. So, what's necessarily happening is that about a couple of weeks ago, at a Houston Rockets Oklahoma City Thunder basketball game. James Harden was seen walking into the arena wearing a a hat with a weirdly shaped logo on it, and no one really could pick it out and see what it was until they got a closer look, and they realized that it was the Call of Duty Black Ops Four oh, logo.
0: Oh, it's time.
3: And most people they didn't even, like. They're just like, "Oh no, that's not real. That that's fake. That's just made up." But then Activision Treyarch themselves came out, liked tweets and even comments of people stating that this was the actual thing. They were making tweets about it saying, oh, no, yeah, no, that's real. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And then a couple of days later on, actually, Thursday, the official teaser trailer came out. Mm -hmm. And so basically what's really interesting about this is that even in Black Ops 3 that was made in 2015, there was an update on it. Basically, one of the original maps became a snowy redwood. So people saw this and they were thinking, oh, this is what Treyarch did in Black Ops 2. They made an update on a map and you can go into the map. And there was actually little teases to pinpoint that Black Ops 3 was a thing. So that's immediately what people started doing. They jumped in the map. They were trying to find this, that, and the next thing. Nothing was really found until someone got a quad kill and the emblem that popped up was the actual Black Ops 4 logo Awesome.
4: Itself. Yeah. Yes.
3: Awesome. So Treyarch and Activision, Treyarch's one of the best at marketing Call of Duty. Black Ops is one of the most successful franchises in the Call of Duty world, besides like Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm. So when they dropped the teaser, it went through Black Ops 1, it went through Black Ops 2 and 3. It showed the campaign storyline, it showed multiplayer, but it also showed the zombie Zombies experience that Treyarch is well known for. Mm -hmm. But at the end of this trailer, it said, Forget what you know. And what what was really weird about that is that in the previous title, they had what you know is wrong. So now everyone's trying to pinpoint what that could mean. Yeah. Because Black Ops 3 was in the distant future. The first two games connected with each other the first one was about mason and the numbers the second one was really about his son so they intertwined the third one went off the rails on that you got a whole new story but this one black ops 4 is supposedly rumored to take place either during one or two or two or three so it's going to have a futuristic vibe to it but it's supposed to tie in a lot of the plot holes and plot lines that weren't taken care of in the previous titles. And we're actually going to get the game a month earlier than normal. Usually we get the game the first week of November. This year we are getting Call of Duty Black Ops 4 on October 12th.
0: Whoa. Why so early? Why the change, do you think?
3: Uh, The reason I think is because a lot of people are speculating that Treyarch and Activision want to be able to give the first DLC in December. So at the end of the year, you already have DLC content. You already have a lot starting out the new year. Also, there's a lot of rumors that Treyarch could be introducing a Battle Royale mode in Call of Duty Black Ops 4, just because like Fortnite, PUBG, the Battle Royale frenzy is on. Mm -hmm. So people are thinking that's going to happen, but a lot of people don't want it.
0: What a complex web we weave.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. And I honestly can't wait for it to come out.
1: I have a simplistic storyline for them to start a new game on. There's this guy Jason who's looking to get a Tesla. <laughs> <No>.
3: <laughs> <laughs> They're always looking for celebrity endorsements.
0: Do I do I run around with my axe and break open yeah. boxes and see if there's Teslas inside? Because I'd play that game all day. Right? You need to get that.
1: You need to get that Tesla back from space. That's what oh, we need to do. Wow. We need great, to send a yeah. mission out there. And it's just, we start a whole thing, bring back Jason's Tesla.
0: I, look, we were joking at first, but that's a legitimate game. I would, I would legitimately play bring back the Roadster. Bring back
1: the Roadster. And then, and then it's, we're trying to get this Roadster back to Jason.
0: And we have to hit the right orbit or it burns up on re-entry. Oh, my gosh. So We're just throwing
1: out like a, a totally like futuristic, cool idea to you guys. We'll just let these guys run with it and yeah, see you can See it. if you end up with the, the roadster at the end. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if you make a lot of money, clearly buy Pete and I, both a Tesla. Uh, the fact that I was now
1: included in this deal, uh, you better go do this. Yeah. Let's make this happen. Let's go.
3: Give me about five years. How
0: about that? Deal. <laughs> deal. Take your time. Well, thank you very much for that, Kevin. That was certainly some exciting news about Call of Duty. And next up, we have our interviewing team, the very team that interviewed Phil Pallon, here to talk to us again before we hear Phil's second segment. The much-anticipated part two, right? Yeah, absolutely. And who do we have down there again? Remind us, please. We got Chris Lisey and Drew Cohen. That's right. That's right we do. All right, gentlemen. Uh, Once again, we're about to hear the second part of Phil's interview, and I think if, if we had a question for you, it would it would involve uh, interacting with Phil face-to-face. What was it like having uh, Phil in the room face-to-face with you?
2: Phil was actually, he's a really nice guy and he's so easy to talk to. Going in, I was, I was like really nervous and I was like, is he going to be, I was wondering if he's going to be easy to talk to or if not. And he's just so professional and he's so nice because he, he was one of us. And that's what made it so much better, and we were more comfortable with it now. It was just easy to relate to him because he was a full sales student just as us.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's He's been in the same shoes that you're wearing today, which is which is pretty impressive considering where he is professionally. And similar
5: to what Chris said, he was always willing to talk more about any situation. So if I had any follow-up questions or anything of the sort, he was always willing to give more and more information. He just loved helping and being available to answer any questions. He was as honest as it gets and just kept on going with really amazing information.
1: So yeah, that real mentoring heart does come through. And I think, doesn't he have like a podcast too where I would would imagine that would be kind of the, the focus on it, right?
5: Yeah, he actually does a podcast called Brand Therapy. When we first interviewed him, he uh, just started and he was really excited about doing it. And yeah, he actually got to talking to us about, you know, how we're doing a podcast, he's doing a podcast. And it's really cool to have something like that to relate to him really easily as well. Yeah,
1: definitely sure it would be.
0: And it's uh, it's worth checking out. That's uh, Brand Therapy, Phil Palin. And he he's got some really good interviews on there. He brings in some powerful, exciting people. And uh, I hope you guys check it out, just like we're going to check out the interview that they did with Phil right now. Let's cut to that and away we go.
4: Hello, my name is Kiana Sleet.
0: I'm Chris Slyze. And I'm Drew Cohen.
4: And today we are interviewing Phil Palin.
6: Are there any like social media platforms that you would consider the most important mm-hmm. for us and
4: you know people who are trying to just build something right now? hmm I still think Twitter is really important. It's a lot of, it's one that people go, oh, well, I don't really understand how to do that. So I'm just not going to do it. When there's opportunity to be in a space that's less crowded, it increases the likelihood that you'll get noticed. So think about, for example, how many messages Hall of Famers get on Facebook Messenger or emails I'm terrible by email because too many people email me and I don't like sitting at my computer sending emails. But if someone sends me a tweet limited to 140 characters, like I, it increases the likelihood that I can respond to you. I think Twitter is still the best way to access a targeted audience without having to spend money on advertising for any business, students, for businesses, for clients that you might be growing. Uh, I think Instagram is really important to walk the walk, not just talk. Nonsense, mm-hmm. you know. I graduated with a degree, and no one cares. No one cares what you graduate degree in. What was the last project you created? That's what's great about Full Steel because it's like, it's like you know, you graduate with something tangible. You have a portfolio when you leave here, even if it's class projects. Who cares? That's what you start with. Then just keep editing and and and, and building that pro the, the portfolio. Um, I think Twitter. I think Instagram is really good. I'm much more likely to hire someone as a content creator if I go to their Instagram and the aesthetic is consistent and they're actually implementing what I know they know. Um, What else? I mean, that third one could be whatever you want it to be based on where your audience is or where your core competency is. I mean, if someone graduates like with, you know, a degree in like visual designs or graphic design and they have a thousand followers on Behance. Like, don't think I'm not going to notice that. You know, I might not necessarily say make, go make Behance one of your top three platforms, but if that's where your audience is and that's where you can show what you're capable of doing, then own it. So I don't, I'm not even going to answer the third one because I think it's going to be different case by case, but I would encourage people to think, where can I be in a space that's a little less crowded so that it increases the likelihood I'll get noticed?
6: Do you have a professional Instagram as well as a personal one?
4: No. Nope, no, I can't even update my personal one enough on uh, consistently. I'm too busy updating everyone else's because yeah, I was looking into it and I yeah. saw the pers- I found the personal one and I was like Yeah, okay, people don't I want a that. company profile, right? Like wh- who wants a company profile with a logo? Like no, people want me. You know, Mm -hmm. and so why put energy into that when I can just combine the two? I'd rather be really good at three social media platforms than have to juggle two on the same platform. Mm -hmm. Why not put all your eggs in one basket and make that basket a cute little basket, you know? All right. Um, but you didn't know we were gonna talk about cute little baskets today. <laughs> I, no, I wouldn't have guessed that. If, that if I wouldn't have and said that
6: we were gonna talk about cute little baskets. I might have uh, asked them if they were if they were crazy. Yeah. Um, but here we
4: are. Here we are. All right. Uh, Phil. Do you have any advice for students posting to their own social media platforms? Uh, what can we share? What should we avoid? Show me your brand, show me your focus. Don't use the word I'm an aspiring whatever. Don't aspire, just do it. You know? Um, I started calling myself a brand strategist probably way before I was qualified to be one. But guess what? That's what I committed to. And that's the brand that I built for myself. I was not an aspiring brand strategist. Why do you need to aspire to do that? Just do it. Freaking do it. So if you're giving advice, show me that advice. If you're telling stories, tell those stories. Don't wait For graduation day to start building what you're going to need to sell yourself, build it now. That's why you're here. You're not here for academic stimulation. You're here to learn and make connections with people that will essentially make or break your career. It could be an instructor. It could be someone at career development. It could be your peer that's sitting beside you that might eventually be your boss. That happens. I just came here from career development where uh, one of the inductees, Grant, this year told a story about how a student actually hired a Hall of Famer, and that's now his biggest client. Like, this is real. You know, So it's kind of like, don't wait for graduation day. There's a student on campus, I love her. Uh, Asia McMillan is her name. And I'm naming her because she earns it. She has done such a phenomenal job of staying on my radar for a long time. I think since she started at Full Sail, every hall of fame, she responds to my emails. I see her on Instagram, we interact all the time. That's like, I love what she's building what she's building is going to get even better because she's doing it now and she's still months away from graduation. I keep telling her, I'm going to poach you because that's the kind of initiative. Don't aspire to be something, be that now. That's how I've grown my entire career is by exaggerating a little bit to get to that next point, you know, and to love it to be a sponge, to get better at it, to not settle because then you essentially become that. I'll tell you a really quick story. The first time I wanted to be a TV host originally. That's what I wanted to do. It was my first job when I was a kid in Canada on a little educational network and no one watched it, but I loved cameras and I loved talking. Shocker! But I was like, this is so fun like I love this and I thought well I'll move to LA and I'll pursue TV hosting even my thesis in EBMS was focused around that industry emceeing and hosting got to LA and realized there were a lot of people that wanted to be a TV host not just me people that wanted it way more than me people that were willing to spend their days every week going to auditions with no hope in hell of actually getting it I was like no no no, like fun job would love to read off a teleprompter would love to make lots of money and be on TV, but I don't want it that badly. So that was when I realized, well, maybe I can help those people with their brands, I guess, or, you know, figure out where they should put their time on social media. And that was how all of that developed. I really focused on that audience. And when I started to become known as the guy to call, if you were a TV host and you needed to build a brand, then I started you know to go in other industries now i work with people in all different industries but what was the point of this story when i i realized i wasn't going to be on tv i accepted i will get on tv as an expert i don't know when it might take a few years and that happened i had a friend that i made a website for years before and i had no idea where she was working and she called me on a, in january 2015 she was like phil she texted me at like 6 a.m. And she said, Phil, do you know about Kylie Jenner's lip injections? And I was like, yes, they're huge and crazy. She goes, great. I need you to hop in, a, in an Uber. She knows I don't drive. She like, I need you to hop in an Uber and rush to Burbank because we're putting you in the lead story on Access Hollywood tonight as a branding expert. I was like, what? <laughs> and I did. Picked my cutest outfit. Tried not to freak out. Went, did an interview. And now I do media as appearances every week, not just TV, but I'll do print stops, and they'll email me. Uh, and as I was, I did the interview, I was walking to the elevator. I was like, yes, I didn't screw up. Who knows what they're going to put in? You never know, the, but they might cut you completely from the show. So you never get too excited until after it airs like, yes, I was on TV. But she rushed to the elevator. She said, Phil, what is your title? And I turned around in this moment of brilliance. And I said, celebrity brand expert. And that's the lower third I got on my very first TV appearance. And because of that single decision that I made on the spot, I now get called. I get media requests sometimes daily all over the world because when you Google celebrity brand expert, (laughs) you know, so anyways, that just is one example of how you have complete control over your own brand and even if you have to set aside your dreams and aspirations of being a director in hollywood chill those beans okay for a few years potentially do something useful so that you can make money and support your living and enjoy doing what you love doing all of this comes full circle it always comes full circle so that's just a little example of that I find it funny that I came here to ask you questions, and now I'm going to go home and ask myself questions Good. about myself. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, that's that's that I take that as the highest form of flattery. You know, you can say, Phil, your shoes are really cute. I mean, I would like that, too. I think they are cute. But the the, the, the okay, well. best compliment you can give me is – I'm now really excited and revved up to go home and get started on this because it means that I've said something that has sparked that kind of source of inspiration to make a change and actually implement this. So that's exciting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm going to ask my favorite question now, which is one that I I did
6: some digging for. So personally, I Hmm. remember it. How important was Tiger Blood Phil to your background and your history? Because when I go on your YouTube, that's like
4: your first like nine videos are you interviewing oh, everywhere i know my youtube <laughs> channel is a mess I, I need to fix that this year thank you for reminding me of all <laughs>
5: yeah
4: youtube is not one of my priority platforms not proud of it there's just the time is limited here i am making excuses oh god i need to go <laughs> fix my youtube um you know what really good question it was super important for a really dumb reason it was important for my career because it validated for me the ability to be an entrepreneur which is so dumb as if i needed national news coverage from a hundred plus media outlets to be that security blanket of going well maybe i actually can make a career out of this that's so dumb you know, I mean, it was so fun. I learned so much in four months of that. I probably learned more. And I shouldn't say this a full so, but I probably learned more in four months of that real life than I learned in all my years of schooling of my entire life. I had high moments of like, holy crap, CNN is calling me. Low moments of I'm calling this radio station because they haven't called me yet. And I think they should put me in their story. I got crazy. <laughs> yeah, I got crazy because I was just like more, 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 right? Oh, I mean, we need to turn this into something. This is my monster. moment. Exactly. I was stepping out of classes at full sale to do radio interviews like it was it was crazy but what an amazing opportunity that kind of groomed me for a lot of the strategies that I use on a daily basis not for me but also for my clients but my, the lesson here is that you don't need national news coverage to validate to give yourself permission to pursue what you really love to do I'm almost embarrassed. I am not almost I am embarrassed that it took that for me to have confidence to pursue this as a career I didn't need that. I should have owned that from the beginning. And that's part of the reason why I speak so passionately about this when I come back. I'm like, go and do it. Don't aspire, don't plan, don't you know? be hypothetical about all of this. Freaking go and do it. Isolate what it is you're passionate about, what you want your career to be. If you won the lottery, what is it you do every single day if money was no object, pair that with something people need and are willing to spend money on. Put those two things together and it's the fail-safe formula for success regardless of industry. There you go.
6: Before we and if you could just explain what the campaign was for...
2: Mm-hmm.
6: us and for those who are listening before we just throw this into a podcast that everyone's like okay what is that
4: yeah well they can they should google it because it is a long story but essentially three months before I was set to graduate Full sale, I entered a competition to become Charlie Sheen's social media intern and out of 90,000 people I made it to the top 50 in this competition while I was at Full Sail uh, through connections at Full sale, I also had An amazing lead through one of the faculty members here who was best friends, childhood friends with the CEO of Ryan Seacrest Productions. And so I got a phone call with the CEO and then an internship offer to move out to LA and intern for Ryan Seacrest. So when I announced it one month, uh, sorry, one week before I was set to move to LA, I had already had my place. I don't drive driving freaks me out I do a lot of things driving is not one of them (laughs) so I had a place picked out like in LA who doesn't drive me um so I had a place picked out everything was lined up and then I was at full sale, I was set to graduate uh I said I'm moving to LA in a week I'm gonna intern for Ryan Seacrest it spawned a whole new wave of media and then they fired me because I connected Ryan Seacrest to Charlie Sheen and all of these news articles (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then I, saw I got fired before I even started. So I moved to LA with nothing no job, no friends. Mm-hmm. All the people in my class moved to other places. So that's the backstory, the short version of it. <laughs> well, thank you, Phil. I think we can all say we enjoyed your time and we're very thankful that you came and joined us. Oh my enjoyed God, it's us? been fun to hang out with you guys. It yeah, it's nothing. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. Like thank I enjoyed
5: you. it more. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yep. And quick talking about podcasts, I'm pretty sure you just actually had your first. Oh, episode come thank out, you right? for reminding me. I'm not gonna go this whole thing without selling something. Yeah, I can't. I can't oh let that happen. Yes. Um, I just launched a podcast two weeks ago. We're on the second episode and actually, of course, the second episode is already about Full Sail. I connected back to what's happening this week on on campus, Hall of Fame. This is um, my fourth year back for Hall of Fame, but the first time I've ever branded someone live on stage. So we started that this morning, Fernando Delgado, who I've come to know over the last few years. He's come back as well. I built a brand for him, a personal brand from scratch, using input from students and what we've done on stage. We present it tomorrow working on it overnight. Uh, but this week's episode is all about Fernando and some of the challenges in his business and what he needs to do to get to that next level. He's very real about it. There's a, it's you learn so much by listening. So it's called Brand Therapy. Brand Therapy. Yeah. Awesome. All right.
6: Well, thank, thank you. you. And I know that I'll give it a listen. I've already given the first episode a little listen. So. Thank you. Uh, you know, episode two. When it comes out, people will be
1: down for it. So thank you for being here. Thank you you guys for having me. It's been fun.